0: Hi there, Selina Kulkarni here with another episode of the Alternative Investing Podcast. My mission is to help business owners build high performance wealth that delivers reliable, predictable cash flow through unconventional strategies so they can fast track their path to financial freedom. Each week I share with you the strategies, expert interviews and real people's stories around the topic of wealth and financial freedom. And if you're a business owner who wants to learn more about financial freedom through alternative methods please head over to my website freedomwarrior.com.au where you can access my library of articles, interviews and programs to help you on your way to becoming more financially free. Hey guys, so welcome back to the Freedom Warrior podcast. In today's episode, what I really want to do is maybe unpack a little bit around this concept of uh, investing and inaction around investing. I want people to really understand why stockpiling cash could actually be crushing your ability to build wealth. So, I think in uh, in recent times we've all become very very aware that keeping solid cash reserves is is very very important. So, I'm certainly not arguing against that and I think it's uh it's really important particularly as an investor that you continue to carry cash that will number one carry you through tough business times, but again also carry you through potential turbulence if any of the economic things that support your property portfolio or your share portfolio go out the window. For those of you who are tuning into the news right now, there is so much commentary out there on pending inflation, pending stock market crashes and all of that and you know, I'm I'm a huge believer in, you know, forget crystal ball gazing, who cares? But I think it's really important to have a number of defensive measures and a number of strategic fingers in a few pies in order to carry yourself through those periods without any kind of um, major dent in your wealth building activities or wealth building um, portfolio. So let me really kind of start at the beginning. I I think the very first thing that people need to understand is putting cash reserves aside, stockpiling money for the sake of it with the view that you will invest, is only useful to a point. At some point, it's really important to start measuring the opportunity cost of money sitting around. Now, what I would also say to you is, when we're measuring opportunity cost, what we're really focusing on, or what we should be focusing on, is that internal rate of return. When I say that, obviously, as property investors, we often go out, we borrow money from the banks, and we leverage our money in order to control bigger assets. But what I'm actually advocating is that, you know, when you're measuring your opportunity cost of well, what could my money be doing? Don't focus on the rate of return of growth of that particular asset. So, say for example, in the last few quarters, we've had you know exponential growth in Australian and New Zealand residential real estate. You know, some are saying as high as 20 plus percent per annum. Don't focus on that number, focus on the number in terms of what return have you achieved on your cash. So the example is if you go out and you purchase $100,000 worth of property and you've contributed say 10 to 20000 and then that asset goes up, measure the return on that contribution because that's really, if we're trying to work out and compare apples with apples across different investments, comparing the internal rate of return is what will give you your ability to understand, well, if I sit on that money in the bank... How does that contrast to me putting it into an asset that grows at 2%, 5%, 10% um, and so on. So number one, the true cost of investing in action is really about getting very, very granular and really good at measuring what is the comparative rate of return of me having money sitting, sitting around and waiting for that perfect opportunity versus really doing the hard yards to find the right investment and parking your money into something that's going to um, either be a set and forget or give you that rate of return that makes you feel like, yep, that's that's a great rate of return and I'm happy with that. I think the uh, the the other reason that I'm asking you to focus on the internal rate of return is it becomes very apparent why property crushes the share market in terms of returns, it's very difficult, or it's considered highly risky, to leverage and get margin loans within the share market. Whereas um, the banks will allow you to leverage inside of the the real estate market all day long. Now, what that means is that you can get a substantially better internal rate of return in the property market in contrast to the share market. So all of the share market people and financial planners will tell you, oh, you know, you can get an average of whatever seven to eleven percent. Return per annum consistently in the share market or on average in the share market. And when you contrast that to property over the last 80 odd years, I think share market averages out at 11.4% and property averages out at also around 11-12%. So the rate of return on the asset class is similar, but the internal rate of return on your money, if you are using leverage inside of property is exponentially higher. And that's why people like me who've never been spectacular income earners have had exponentially better returns than if I just stuck my money in the share market. Make sure you can measure the opportunity cost of your investments and continue to contrast it because what you'll recognize is maybe over one year, that internal rate of return, you go, okay, I can live without that. But when you start to compound that and measure it over time, and then add to that the lost velocity from being able to take those returns and reinvest, it starts to become a substantial amount of money over three five seven ten years. So it's really, really important concept. It's a huge, huge cost of having Cash flow sit around. And I'll give you a a really good example of this. I had a really good friend who had done really well in business and was starting to stockpile her money in an offset account against the mortgage and effectively had put herself in a position where she had no mortgage. And she was congratulating herself on being in a situation where her living expenses were pretty light and she was, by all accounts, you know, living high on the hog. When we sat down, because I think she sort of realized that she had very little super, she actually didn't want to continue working as the primary person in her business forever and when we started to sit down and measure well, what could she do with that money or what could she have done with that money she realized that it had actually cost her millions and millions of dollars in lost capital that she could have built, that she could have invested in all sorts of different ways by now. And so, you know, this concept of uh, opportunity cost is is very real. The second point that I really want to focus on in terms of like why stockpiling cash could really be putting a, a heavy burden on your ability to build wealth is this idea that I talk to so many people who get the need for investing, they get the requirement to build wealth through property or through alternative investments but they they struggle with this need for certainty they struggle with the desire to have 100% guarantee that they're doing the right thing before they invest that money i completely understand it it's it's actually not your fault if you feel that you suffer from this the challenge as i've i've said many many times is that there is such an avalanche of information out in the marketplace Everyone is vying for your attention around this topic of wealth building and, and trying to tell you that, you know, my way is the right way of thinking and, and your way is wrong. You know, you should be investing in managed funds. You should be investing in these kinds of properties. You should be buying house and land packages. You should be doing developments. Uh, you should be buying blue chip. And so it's it's really, really confusing. And, you know, the reality is if we had so much money that we could kind of take a little bite of all of those cherries, we'd be laughing. You know, we wouldn't be stuck in this sense of, of feeling overwhelmed and or confused about what our next step should be. But the, the reality is buying real estate is super expensive. Even people who I know who have $20 million property portfolios often only carry a dozen or so investments. So we're not talking, you know, crazy numbers here. What I, what I would say to you is that part of the journey of becoming a a really proficient property investor is your ability to distinguish good deals from bad the ability to listen in to those voices who are you know legitimately putting out information and education which helps you on your journey where potentially there's less conflict of interest. I guess the point I'm trying to make is it's it's important to recognise when you're suffering from analysis paralysis and recognise the need to bust out of that. But at the other end of the spectrum, we don't want to succumb to fear of missing out or FOMO. Again, I'm hearing a lot of that in the market right now. And so, you know, we're really talking about two ends of the same spectrum, those people who are crushed by the concern that there's not 100% guarantee And that they're not sure what's coming in the market is, you know, is the market too heated? Is there going to be a crash? And so they take no action or they just don't know what investment to take. And at the other end of the spectrum, people who are chasing the market, just trying to get their foot in the door anyway. Anywhere who are maybe happy to buy an asset at an inflated price and just hope that the market creates real value at some point in the future. So I guess my my point on this one is, you know, stockpiling cash. If we're talking about that analysis paralysis end of the spectrum, the thing you got to be careful about is that the market can potentially move and shift in ways that means that you can't get in at the point in time when you're actually ready. So the innate quality of investing. Is that you never are going to have 100% guarantees. But what you need to do is, again, focus on what is your criteria for an investment in order to tick all your boxes and give you the green light to proceed. I really caution against putting all your faith in someone else's opinion on whether an investment is good, bad, or you know ugly and i think there's too many people in the australian and new zealand community who are saying you relax i'll tell you where to put your money i think staying in the driver's seat and making informed decisions is super super important and i just want to give you a really quick story of uh, of a couple of people i know they are clients who had a dream of buying in a particular part of the country and you know they've been looking at it and agonizing and agonizing about the perfect Property that they wanted to buy. And every single property wasn't quite right. You know, it didn't quite have the right this or the right that. And obviously, as we've seen complete ridiculous runaway capital appreciation over the last 12 months, what's happened is the property market has almost shifted to a point where their capacity to enter that market now has dropped to zero. Like there just isn't any scope for them to enter that market. So I guess what I'm saying is, you know, as an investor, your job is to put yourself in a position where you're continuing to make informed decisions. Property is really expensive. You cannot afford to put a foot wrong, but you also can't afford to just let the money sit there and just postpone those decisions. The third point that I want to make in this context of this conversation of the true cost of inaction when we talk about investing is that you need to recognise, and this is actually one that a lot of people don't recognise or don't understand, is your risk profile actually changes over time. For most people, like it's not always the truth, some of us are hair-raising risk-takers our whole life, but the truth of the matter is that for most people, it actually gets harder to take on risk as you get older. So for example, if I think about my own journey, the sorts of risks I was prepared to take in my 20s and 30s is massively different to the risks I'm prepared to take now. Best story and the best example I can give you of this is in uh, in 2008. We'd uh, we'd build a reasonable portfolio of properties, and we were starting to get to the point where we'd paid off our house. We had uh, a reasonable portfolio of properties that were doing quite well. I we had a couple of lemons in amongst there, but you know, on the whole, we were doing really well. And then we bet the house on one development deal with someone who was very crooked and the end result of that is we we actually lost the house as in we lost the full money, uh, we'd refinanced out of our paid off house in order to go into that deal and we lost it all. It really hurt. it really, really hurt. and you know it took some years to kind of regain my footing, diagnose the mistakes that we'd made in doing that deal in the first place and then, you know, make, recover and and get up and and get on with it. But the point of of that story, the reason I'm sharing that story is that there is absolutely no way that I would make that kind of investment at this point in my life as I've aged, I like to say aged, as I'm ageing, as I get older. And part of it is around getting smarter as well about the sorts of investments that I'm prepared to take on, the clarity that I have around the due diligence that I do on every single investment but the the reality is that I would never take on an investment now that would jeopardise everything. So there's a huge emphasis for me on small bites of the cherry. You know, I can take on a development similar size to the one I did in 08 and it's a small percentage of my overall wealth so I don't feel that level of risk and exposure that I might have felt 12, 13 years ago. And so what why I'm bringing this up is, people kind of overlook the idea of their risk profile kind of changing shape and flavor over time. And so you, it's really important that you ask yourself, where am I in my life journey? What risks am I prepared to take now in my life? One of the things that really saddens me is to see people who are maybe approaching a time in their life where they want to start slowing down. Maybe they they either want to step back a little in their businesses or they want to sell their businesses and they look around them and they say well geez I I haven't really done a great job of wealth building and so there's there's kind of just this pressure of gee I need to make up for lost time and so they, they they don't necessarily recognize where they are in their life journey and they go out and make some pretty big investments trying to kind of claw back some efforts around the the wealth building piece and so it saddens me because I've coached and I've mentored a lot of people who've made some big decisions later in their wealth creation journey that maybe they weren't equipped to make. Maybe they didn't have the, the knowledge and the experience and then they've ended up losing it. If you're in a situation where you are further down the track and you know maybe you haven't taken as much investing action as you would have liked, the first thing you got to do is, is start with some education and don't necessarily try to take on investments that are going to make up for lost time. Focus more on just growing your knowledge base and then starting piecemeal with some some simple investments that you completely understand. Anyway, guys, today's podcast was really born out of some conversations I've had with a number of different investors over the last couple of weeks who are lamenting the state of the market feeling like, how can I possibly crack into the local market now, which is just going crazy? The second thing they're lamenting is maybe having sat on a lot of cash or capital, lazy capital, for the last five years in the view that they would wait for the perfect investment. And so they're in a situation now where there's a little bit of anxiety around that, you know, inaction. And, you know, I'm a true believer in it's never too late. There's always ways to recover financially and and get back on an even keel. I think the thing that I'd love to emphasize is it doesn't matter how successful you are in business. It doesn't matter whether or not you've created a cash cow or whether you've built a business that you will sell for a big fat paycheck at some point in the future. You have to be thinking about your plan B. How are you going to create the ultimate insurance policy which in my world is creating an income stream for myself that will continue to flow from multiple sources, from multiple investments, regardless of whether the market goes up, down or sideways. Because if you play that game, then you're going to be on a completely different level and trajectory to those businesses that feel the roller coaster of all the changes in government, all the changes in policy, Uh, the ups and downs of the traditional uh, property and share market. So guys, I hope you found that really useful. One of the things I really want to encourage you to do is if you are interested in understanding a little bit more about the space of alternative investments, which in my world is where you build rapid cash flow please go to my website and get my alternative investing playbook. It's a little report that I've just put together, which I'm really proud of, that just gives you that insight into what are alternative investments, how do they work, and how can you potentially access those in order to completely change the trajectory of your cash flow. Till next time, guys, take care. Thanks so much for listening to the Alternative Investing Podcast. If you're a business owner feeling frustrated that despite doing everything right in the property investing playbook and you're no closer to financial freedom, then head over to freedomwarrior.com.au to learn more about how you can use alternative investments to catapult your investing income and blend strategies to shave decades off your timeline to financial freedom. Till next time, take care. See you on the next episode and bye for now.